0: Hi everyone welcome to episode 2 of steer queer. I'm Cody
1: and I'm Austin
0: and I'm Kyle and we are coming to you from the Midwest. Um wanted to say welcome. Thanks for sticking around after episode 1. Um today we are going to get into a very personal, very serious topic um and we're going to be talking about something that happened recently the death of george floyd and what how it has affected this country um so my hope for this episode is to really get people to see what's been going on and to recognize the severity of these past 400 years and also to encourage people to not just think about it i want you to start getting involved however you can. So with that, um I encourage everybody to keep the discussion going. Um because this is something that has been going on far too long. It didn't start with George Floyd. It may not end with George Floyd, but it needs to change. On May 25th, 2020, 46-year-old George Floyd was accused of passing a $20 counterfeit bill at a grocery store to purchase cigarettes. He was then Met, approached by J. Alexander Kuhn and Officer Thomas Lane, where he was arrested and handcuffed. And he remained compliant, did not resist. He did mention that he was claustrophobic and there was some difficulty getting him into the police vehicle. Shortly after, Derek Chauvin and Officer Tua Tao arrived on the scene. Derek Chauvin, age 44, took control, he took command, and he proceeded to reach over from the passenger side back seat of the vehicle to the driver's side where George Floyd was having difficulty getting in. He pulled him out. He brought him to the ground and he put his neck, his, excuse me, he put his knee on his neck. And for nine minutes, a human being struggled saying, I can't breathe. Help me. I can't breathe. Eventually he was taken to the hospital. And at 925 PM, he was pronounced dead. This is not the first time this has happened. Recently, within the last five years, a man named Eric Gardner died from a chokehold on July 14th, 2014, under suspicion of selling cigarette packs without a tax stamp. This type of activity has something that has been going on in our society for far too long. Thankfully, from this event, Derek Chauvin was convicted with second and third degree murder and a second degree charge of manslaughter. The other three officers were aiding and abetting. That was their conviction. It is a moment of, I don't wanna say relief. I guess you could say hope that this happened so quickly. If we go back to Eric Gardner, it took five years for the officer Daniel Pantaleo to be fired from his job. He was fired on August 19th, 2019. There were no criminal charges. The U.S. Department of Justice actually decided to protect him under the Federal Civil Rights Act. The family was paid $5.9 million in 2015, and that was it. So we're progressing, but we have a long way to go. If you look at the four officers in the George Floyd case, you start out with Derek Chavon. He's 44 years old. He's worked for the Minneapolis PD since 2001. He's had, on his official record, 18 complaints and has been involved in three police shootings, one of which was fatal. He has been considered by many people as over-aggressive. Tao, 34, has had six complaints on his record, none of which have resulted in any form of discipline whatsoever. In 2014, he handcuffed someone without cause. He punched him, he kicked him, he kneed him, and he broke his teeth. His history consists of starting out as a part-time community service officer at 2008, In 2009, he started the police academy. He was laid off for two years and then resumed his work in 2012 for the Minneapolis PD. The other two officers, J. Alexander Kuhn and Thomas Lane, and I apologize, I'm not really sure how to pronounce J. Alexander's last name, um, 26 and 37, when this incident happened with George Floyd, it was their first week on the job. They had no complaints on their record, but they still aided and abetted The murder of George Floyd. Now, I don't know specifically with Jay Alexander and Thomas Lane what kind of history they had. And I don't know, I haven't done enough research into that. For those of you that have not seen the video, it is nine minutes of absolute terror. It is violent, it is immoral. For me, I have never seen anything more graphic in my entire life. I've never been so shaken by anything in my entire life. You know, when you're taught in history about events like civil rights, it, it all comes from if you read something in a textbook or if you see something in a movie, there's sort of a distance. You you, you don't really realize. You, you realize that this happened, but you're able to distance yourself from it because you're reading a book or you're watching a film. This was something that was recorded live as it happened. A man's life was taken, and we got it on film. And it's something that personally really upset me. And I couldn't even talk about it for a couple weeks. It left me feeling numb. And it also, it was as if a veil was lifted from America. And we really saw what's going on in this country, a country that is founded on life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, and then something like this happened. However, this is not something that just happened last last week. This has been going on since 1619. That is 400 years. That's 400 years. Think about that. Just real quickly, in Minneapolis, research has shown that there have been 237 neck restraints since 2015. 44 of them resulted in people being unconscious. It is a practice that is neither taught nor sanctioned by any police agency. It's considered illegal and it is also something that is viewed as a last resort it should be avoided at all costs and it requires from what i understand if if a kneeling restraint is used it should only be used if the if the person accused is belligerently resisting arrest now cuffing someone's hands behind their back has a serious effect on that individual if you cuff someone it results in an immediate restriction of breathing. They're only able to speak in small spurts and oxygen gradually decreases and leaves their body and they lose consciousness. It is something that is is a terrible practice. It's inhuman, it really is inhuman. And what I think upsets me the most about that video is, aside from a human being, his life being taken from him, if you look at Derek Chauvin's body language, and I will continue to say that name throughout this broadcast because I don't think it's been said enough. One thing that really, really pissed me off was when this all was when this all came to the surface. They were, the, the media and the news was quick to say the police officers are not being named at this time. And I thought, why? I mean, this this man killed someone and it's all caught on video. Why are we protecting him? So his name is Derek Chauvin. And there are three other officers, but he is the one that murdered George Floyd. If you look at his body language in that video, he has his hands in his pocket. He's standing there, callous, overbearing, as if he's the one in charge. He doesn't care. Even when the ambulance arrives, he still stayed on him. And as people are are protesting and begging him, get off of this man. You're hurting him. And as George Floyd repeats the words, I can't breathe, there's three of the most three words that will probably will not leave a lot of people's minds. He just sits there. It is the pinnacle representation of police brutality in this country. Just a quick statistic on police brutality. In 2015, there were 1,146 lives that were taken. In 2016, there were 1,093 lives resulting from police brutality. If you look at mass shootings since 2015, it is recorded That only 339 people have lost their lives. And that's something that we really need to understand and think about. In 2012, it was reported that 13% of the US population consisted of African Americans, and 31% of that population was killed by the police. Another instance that I'm reminded of was in Cleveland, Ohio, with, with Tamir Rice, a 12 year old boy who had a toy airsoft gun, and he was shot by an officer, a 12-year-old child. The first response of this man was to shoot a kid twice, not to try to talk to him, he shot him and killed him. And this treatment of a group of people, a group of human beings is immoral, it's despicable, and it's unconstitutional. And this, as I said before, has been going on for 400 years starting in 1619 in our country, we forced individuals into servitude. We beat them, we raped them, we forced them to work without pay. Slavery was essential to American economy and the American capitalism. That's how we viewed it. Cotton plantations were made after driving Native Americans out of their home. A slave was viewed as something that could solve a problem, it could solve a debt. You had a debt to someone, you just give them a person. This uncompensated labor made up our nation's wealth. It made up our banks, our universities, our mills, our factories, insurance companies. We used people for capital gain. In the 1850s, they were worth, enslaved Americans were worth a fifth, 20% of our nation's wealth, 1.3% billion dollars. And by the civil war, that number increased to $3 billion. Now that's something that I didn't know until I did research about this, but that's a really, that is jaw dropping. And the history of our country is something that is, I don't think a lot of people realize. I know in school personally, you know, textbooks don't do this kind of topic justice. It's sort of a blip um, it's reduced to just a few paragraphs or maybe a chapter at past. Um, but if you look at everything from the 1600s to today, it's some pretty shocking stuff. In the 1850s, we had the Fugitive Slave Act, which was a revised version of a previous slave act, which basically just said, we will penalize an official officer if you don't arrest an alleged slave. You will pay a $1,000 fine. And if you are someone who provides food or shelter to this person, you will be, you will be charged a thousand dollars, which roughly translates to like $31,000 today. And this individual who was persecuted to be a slave, they were not offered a trial. All it took was a sworn testimony or an affidavit of a slave owner. So plenty of people who were not slaves were enslaved, just like that, just based on hearsay. And they weren't given a trial at all. Now we did have, after the Civil War, we did have a moment—the 13th, the 14th, and the 15th Amendment. We abolished slavery, equal protection, the right to vote, and those are good things. Shortly after, though, we had the birth of the KKK. They used terror, violence, suppression to keep America pure, as they as they felt. And it wasn't the first half of our 20th century. American Americans were denied the right to vote. They were denied their 15th amendment right because the former confederate states they didn't want to they didn't want to change jim crow laws weren't weren't repealed until 65 mandating racial segregation we had separate but equal so that completely gets rid of the 14th amendment there was no longer equal protection we had moments such as the birth of a nation which is a film that everybody studying film should watch or anyone that studies this type of history should know about. We had the Red Summer, which was when African-American individuals who returned from France during the war and received the French Croix de Guerre Award medal, they were attacked by the KKK for fighting in the war. By the 60s and the 50s, you had banks that refused home loans. We made everything difficult for these people just to get ahead. During World War II and the Korean War, even if you you fought in those wars, you were eligible for a GI bill, which meant you were guaranteed a loan for a home. But banks made it so difficult that they were denied. And you'd have to go to a specific insurance company or a specific bank. And most of the time, if you lived in that neighborhood, it was never going to appreciate in value. It was marked so that people knew this was a black neighborhood. One of the moments that I remember most in history when I was growing up reading textbooks was in 1957, the Little Rock, Arkansas group of students, when integration in schools began. And watching those young students get spit on, get cursed, get harassed, it was something I'd never seen before as a young child, you know, growing up in the 90s, where I didn't really know what it meant to discriminate against someone. To me, it was, you were just the same as I was. You were a kid going to school. To see that kind of thing happen was, was really difficult. By the 60s, you know, we thankfully had Martin Luther King Jr., the Kennedy Johnson administration. We had the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act. And thankfully, if we fast forward, by 2008, we had President Barack Obama. So there's the, the history of America is like a pendulum. It goes back and forth progress, aggression, we have visionaries, and we have demagogues. But not enough people realize that our view and our idea of America is a very watered down, very Disney-fied idea of what this country is all about and how this country was founded. It was founded on millions of people who were treated so poorly the last 60 years that we've viewed since the 60s and so on it's it's not enough i don't know if we'll ever be able to make up for all of those years 400 years but it's time to it's time to do something we have to do something and what i love about what i'm seeing right now is that there is a huge shift where we see so many people standing in solidarity with our African-American brothers and sisters, saying, this is, this is ridiculous. It's time to make a difference. And there's a quote I, I read from an article I was doing research on, and the, the author said, when one segment of the population convinces itself that it has a more legitimate claim to being American, it follows that they will think their lives are more valuable and more important. They feel justified in disrespecting, incarcerating, and disenfranchising another group of people. It feels at times like it's a nation of contradictions. And you could sit here listening to everything I've just said, and I know I've said a lot. There's a, there's no easy way to just breeze through this kind of a topic. You can sit there and say, well, I, I don't feel I'm a racist. My family fought with Martin Luther King Jr. We marched. Or you could say, I am in an interracial interracial relationship. I mean, I am doing what I'm supposed to do. It's not enough. We have to get involved. We have to stand up and make a change. And all I can say is this moment in time with George Floyd is something that will never be forgotten. Neither will the 400 years that have gone past. They should not be forgotten. And if you are somebody that feels So strongly about it, the way the three of us do, I encourage you to continue to get involved. And there are some people that are probably concerned because they've read or they've heard that these protests are violent, there are bricks being thrown, buildings being burned. I want you to realize if you really look at the research, if you look at the protests going on, the majority of them are peaceful. There is only a fraction that is, that is violent. And that's something that we really pay attention to because, because fear is such a powerful emotion. And fear is something that a lot more people pay attention to. So we are in an age of technology. And I think something as, as simple as the camera phone is fantastic because it's no longer about he said, she said. There's no more error Cause for error with hearsay. We now have video documentation of just how terrible some people can be. And these are, this is why we have narratives being strewn a certain way. And so I want to encourage everyone it is not something to be afraid of. You have to stand up for change. It's time. And if you feel like maybe, maybe you can't, not everybody can protest, and that's okay. Somebody, Maybe you can't get time off of work. Maybe you have a health condition. When I mean, we do, we do have to keep in mind, we live in during a pandemic right now. So we need to social distance and we need to be smart, but get involved. You, that's as simple as writing a check to a local charity, volunteering your time, answering phones. One of the things I really believe in is calling or getting in touch with local government. Write a letter, call your senator, call your mayor. Call your congressman, these are the people who are in charge, and if we make sure that we hold them accountable, it starts there. Lastly, all I want to say is George Floyd's death was a terrible incident, and there are so many other people that we could talk about and that we have talked about in our country, but he will not be forgotten, and I personally will make sure that his death means something and before we continue, I just want to take a moment of silence for George Floyd and the millions of Americans who were mistreated and not offered the chance for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness.
2: From all of us here at Steer Queer, We would like to encourage anybody listening that would like more guidance or would like to start a further dialogue to contact us on our Steer Queer podcast social media or on any of our individual social medias. We would also like to take this opportunity to implore you to look at the resource guides that will be posted along with this episode. These resources are there to help facilitate action and to give everyone opportunities to continue or start doing anti-racist work the change begins with all of us as individuals and continues with all of us as a group thank you now on to the show hello and welcome back to the steer Queer podcast uh thank you for joining us once again um and thank you cody for uh once again for your uh really well done research on putting the the history of race relations in our country into, into such eloquent words. Because while it's impossible to put it into a, a, a soundbite, even within 20 to 30 minutes, it's important that we talk about what happened before how we got here so that we can start talking about what should have been happening and what needs to happen and ultimately what we hope will happen
0: moving forward. Absolutely. I and, appreciate that. Thank you very much.
2: Yeah. And uh, and uh, we'd like to take a little time now to talk about some resources uh, for uh, individuals who may be feeling overwhelmed or maybe are worried that I don't know where to begin. I don't know how to start. And what it starts with is saying, I don't know how to start, but I want to start. I need to start doing anti-racist work. It's not enough to say I'm not a racist because as I said before, that's not always, that's really inherently untrue. And we are all constantly unpacking that as people who are not a part of the Black, Indigenous, uh, people of color population, we are constantly doing that work. And it is a lifelong endeavor. And getting started uh, can involve a lot of different things because not everybody is going to be out on the front lines po- uh, protesting and being directly in the middle of it all because somebody is staying home to watch the kids. Somebody is stacking the money to bail folks out of jail. Somebody is praying and looking out for spiritual well being, uh, marching, protesting, being the mediator, being the ally. The ways that we get involved. Especially if we don't feel confident, comfortable, or healthy enough to get out and protest, is number one, if you have the means, donate to specific organizations that are working towards positive, progressive change for the BIPOC population as well as for the community at large. And some. Uh, f- the first place to get started is checking if your area that you live in has a Black Lives Matter chapter. Um, the mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter movement is a very well-organized, interconnected group working tirelessly to- make systemic change in our country. So that's a great place to get started. I will be posting in the description for this episode, uh, several resources that people can use. And the two I wanted to bring up are uh, a living document of a Google document that is the National Resource List and hashtag George Floyd. But for getting involved in any way, shape, or form in this type of work. And it has lists of people that you can contact within your area, depending upon where you live. It has numbers, emails, different places that you, as somebody who wants to get involved, can go to, to figure out where you can volunteer, where you can send your money, where you can get together with other people to figure out how to get started. So that's the first resource that that we will be posting underneath. There is also an important tool that has been Uh, Brought up by um, individuals named Autumn Gupta and Brianna uh, Brianna Wallace, and they have created a Justice in June document, which is a basically an activity spreadsheet for beginning anti racist work and allyship in your day to day life. While it says Justice in June and it does have a calendar, I think it's something you can start at any time and follow along with it. If you're the type of person who needs a more kind of organized specific step-by-step type of a thing to get you started on something. It's a great resource. It does have a number of articles, uh, devotional type things, things to listen to, things to watch, ways to get involved each week and each day to help you start dismantling bias in your head, as well as connecting with material that you may not have connected with before. So those are some important things to keep in mind moving forward that we are all constantly learning and growing and to continue being okay with being wrong, being called out and learning how you can move forward with that without feeling defensive or judged and just know that this is the work. This is the work that we're doing. And we are kind of all in that together as long as we continue to push forward.
0: Absolutely. And I think it's sort of like, it's time to just, it's time to hold everybody accountable. It's not enough just like you said to to say well, well I'm not racist so I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing it, it doesn't matter if if you it doesn't matter if you aren't a Derek chauvin of the world we all have a part to play in this it's not enough to just sit through and I, I bring up I bring up the media a lot just because I'm a media, a media fanatic but it's not enough to sit through like a two-hour film and say wow that was racism's bad I'm so glad I watched that and then you just solved it yeah we solved it wow we've come a long way and then you it's 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 no you just you can't you can't absolve the guilt you know it's it just can't be done it can't be done unless it's not enough to say I'm sorry no, it's we need to, to be okay with being work.
2: uncomfortable. We need to be okay yeah. with feeling those feelings and not just Absolutely. be okay with it, but sit with them and learn from them because that's where the work really begins. And Austin, I'm curious to know, um, uh, hearing all of this, some of your thoughts on, on some of these, uh, we've, we've kind of shared history and current ways that we can get involved. And I'm curious to know uh, how, that's, how, 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 how we can continue to process that in your, in your mind.
1: Yeah, um, I've been just taking in what you guys have just been saying, because, um, Cody, I really liked your introduction. I'm, I'm glad we gave a brief history, uh, 400 years in a short amount of time. Um, and to people listening, we're all coming from different places. Some of us might be really well versed in the United States history of oppressing people of color other of us might not have known all of that information. And um, so I definitely think a great first step is to get educated. Um, But hearing all this, I also just really wanna stress, and I wanna continue discussing things we can do in our day to day to do the work, but I can't help but be afraid. I am very afraid of this country not making any progress. I'm going to use gun violence as a comparison, but they are not the same thing. So we've had, you know, shootings in Colorado movie theaters, Sandy Hook Elementary School, Las Vegas concerts, uh, Pulse nightclub, queer people being murdered. You know, we've had, and that's just a a minor, we've had so many shootings and nothing has changed. And so, like I said, I'm comparing, but they are not the same cause, gun violence and what's happening now. But I wanted to make a comparison because I'm really afraid that nothing will happen. Because while this is a systemic problem, which I think we've highlighted, the fact that different police departments and different parts of the country are killing people in the same ways proves that this is systemic and not because of a few bad apples. This isn't about a few bad apples. This is about a systemic problem that's turning police officers into murderers and uh, hurting people of color the worst. So I guess I just wanted to throw that out there, how I'm afraid real change will not happen. And I'm afraid because that seems to be our MO right now. and I think that that's a valid fear because of what we've seen,
2: especially in our lifetime, this something happens, everyone's outraged. I did, You did not see that, but I did air quotes because sharing a meme while important is not the same as action. And so mm-hmm. we get outraged, we get upset, and then we move on with our lives. I think what we might be seeing this time, which is different and gives me personally some hope that things are changing is that we, A, we're in the middle of this pandemic where people were not able to go out like they used to. So we're, we're kind of having to pay attention in a very different way. Life had been on hold and was only just starting to kind of pick back up again in most places. And that I think really contributed to the fact that people were able to pay attention and more willing to pay attention to something that we all should have been paying more attention to a long time ago. And I think we're realizing that, as a as a country on the whole and are realizing that we we've been passive allies to the BIPOC community for too long we have we have stood with them with words but not and if our
1: if people listening don't know that term that's black indigenous people of color
2: i'm sorry i did say that earlier but i did not okay. reiterate that um i i it Acronyms just get long. But yes, that, that, that is exactly right. Um, and so that 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 really is one of the ways that, that we're seeing things changing is that people are now realizing myself, I can speak for myself 100% that there were ways I thought I was involved that I'm now realizing and having to grapple with the emotional upset of realizing that I was not involved in the way that I thought I was. And being an active ally, again, means doing the work daily, constantly, as part of your life. It just, it needs to become a part of our daily lives. 400 years, and if we're and we're only focusing on those 400 years in a lot of ways, it, st- it stretches farther back, obviously. But if we're going to undo 400 years of what has happened in this country, we now need to know that it takes more than just occasionally telling off a family member for making a racist joke and sharing something on Facebook. It takes consistent work. And what we're seeing is people coming out in droves during a pandemic to support something in a way that we haven't seen before. We have never had this many demonstrations and protests going on at one time across the world for a unified cause ever in the history of the world. Not like this. That Mm -hmm. is both uplifting and also something that momentum that we need to find a way to keep moving forward, I think. And that is that is where fear, I think, becomes, becomes action. Because fear can also be paralyzing. It's such a powerful emotion. It can paralyze you from getting involved because you're, A, afraid, what are people going to think of me when I start saying these things? That's a tough pill to swallow, but we all think that way. And then, when I do get involved, am I going to get involved in the right way? Are people going to see my actions or not see my actions the way that, that I'm hoping that they do? And it becomes about dismantling your own thought process about it and getting outside yourself and worrying less, focusing less here and more on what's going on out here. And we, we've we got work ahead of us and I am, I am happy to see the progress that is already being made and it does embolden me, and I agree. I'm I'm fearful, and that's why I don't want to start. I don't want to get quiet. I don't want to be quiet about it.
1: I absolutely agree. Like, yeah, don't let the fear hold you back. And I think, like, mo- like, I think a lot of people right now, we're all trying to learn what can we do and what does this work look like. And some advice I've been seeing given out there, which is great, is to just do it. You're afraid you will do the wrong thing. And you know what? You probably will at some point. Um, you know, I'm a white person and as white people, um, we just can't help it, right? We appropriate other people's culture and we just, it's, it, we do the wrong thing. And, but as long, and I'm not saying good intentioned wrongdoing is good, but I'm just saying not doing the work is worse. And right now we're seeing lots of signs that say silence is violence and it's true. And I think that's why we wanted to talk about this on this podcast, is because while we might not all have been directly impacted by police brutality and racial injustice, um, silence is violence right now. And we need to talk. And then, like you're saying, and we need to keep talking, and we need to keep voting, and we need to write our uh, um, elected officials and say, we will not stand for this. The police. Are paid for through taxes. They are our employees. And this is bullshit. Um, and police unions, I, uh, we're all from Wisconsin, if you're listening. And so I couldn't help but think we busted up our teachers' unions, like teachers who don't make any money and do great work. Um, let's, I mean, I, I don't know, but these police unions, they have to stop. They're letting people get away with murder, and it's not okay. And we need to demand that these police unions get busted up. Because um, right now in New York State, policemen are protesting the fact that their coworkers are being uh, suspended uh, for police brutality. The police are upset that they're being held accountable. We need to make sure our voice is louder than theirs. Exactly. I think
0: that was something that was very like I said earlier, it was uplifting to see how swiftly of a response was made in punishing those four officers. I mean, it was you think of a lot of what's been going on in the last ten years or so. Usually the story typically kind of follows the same narrative of event happened. Names are, people are named, but then officer is suspended or taken out of the limelight. Four or five years pass, either no indictments or they got like a, what I consider to be more of a slap on the
1: wrist. Yeah, because what did you say about the officer who killed Eric Gardner? He continued to work for five more years?
0: He worked for five years. Um, So what initially what had happened is, and I want to make sure I get get out my papers make sure I get <laughs> get my notes right here I wrote things on paper and pens and pen my god who does that anymore <laughs> um, did you do it by candlelight with a feather quill mm, feather quill that's too fancy <laughs> <for me>. <laughs> <laughs> so as I said before July 14th 2014 Eric Garner was convicted of suspicion of selling cigarette packs without tax stamps. He was choked by a police officer and it was, he actually uttered the same words. I can't breathe. And again, I want to, I want people to really marinate in those three words and without getting on another tangent, because we, we want to try to keep all of our thoughts to like, you know, equal amount of time so we can all say things. I just want to point out one more thing to people. That's a human being that is saying they can't breathe. Imagine if it was somebody you knew. Imagine if it was a friend, a family member. I mean, there would be, it, it, it's it's not enough to distance yourself. Just, well, I don't know that individual. That's, that's terrible. It's a human being. It's a fellow human being. Um, so the officer's name was Daniel Pentaleo. And again, I apologize. I don't always pronounce names correctly because um, even though these are felons they still have a name and you know it's their name um and the other officer was named Justin D'Amico. Um so they were essentially they were still working um and July 13th the family of Eric Gardner was paid five point nine million dollars their set their lawsuit against the state of New York was for 75 million dollars they got they settled out of court 5.9 million um and the department US Department of Justice had decided that Patelio, who was the officer that choked Eric Gardner, um, was protected by the U.S. Department of Justice under the the federal civil rights law. Um, So there were no criminal charges. And then he was fired in August, on August 19th of 2019. So it took five years and two months and five days to be fired. For taking another man's, another human being's life, and yes, it is a racial issue, and I don't want to take away from that, but it's it is important for people to remember it is another human being. You took a person's life.
2: Well, it was it was a murder over bureaucracy and a murder over like it's it's it. And what what is really important right now is, um, I, I agree, we we do need to talk about these people in terms of what they did and what they got away with. Mm-hmm. But I also, and I, I want to say, I also feel like our focus now is forward on what do we all do? And right. being, being an ally, because as, as queer individuals, we know we look to our straight allies to really stand in solidarity with us when things are Difficult when our rights get taken away, when the cops are uh, indiscriminately killing queer people, it's happened already during this time. A black trans individual was murdered. Several have been murdered. And it, we, are, we are at a time right now where what we are asking other allies to do, we are being asked to do in a very big way. And I can think back on moments in time where if somebody had not stepped in, things would have been very different. If I had not been advocated for by a straight ally, things would have been very different. And Mm -hmm. so when we are looking towards how we can be better allies, we need to understand that the expectation is not that we be perfect human beings. It's that we show up it's that we continue to look to community leaders for ways that we can get involved and look for ways that we can get involved our own and then go do it you know mm-hmm. it's it's action
0: and like austin said you will probably make mistakes <laughs> you will you will fuck up that's just that's just that's human life <laughs> but you have to i mean we are a democracy we as the 99% are in charge and we forget that or we know it but it's i mean you see it every every election the 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 it's always the same your vote matters you know it's it's it, it is important it took me a long time to really wrap my head around that and i mean i mean we really saw it was 2016 but i mean the first time i really saw it was with Barack Obama i mean that was a huge moment and I realized, yeah, it really—you really can make a difference based on your vote, and you do have to show up. And it is tough, and it is scary, but it's important. And I am remembered. I I am reminded of if you—how do I want to say it? If you ever feel terrified, or if you feel that someone you're going to be persecuted, or you feel like it's going to make your life difficult to do the right thing, I want you to remember. a quote from Marsha P. Johnson, pay it no mind. For those of you who don't know who Marsha P. Johnson is, mm. honey, you better look it up. <laughs> but remember, pay it no mind.
2: And I would like to put out there for, and this is just for me personally, uh, that if there is anybody listening who is feeling uncomfortable or feeling overwhelmed and is looking for a place to go. I know I all of my social media is going to be posted here and I am welcoming people to direct message me to mm-hmm. contact me so that we can keep having these dialogues because you are not a hypocrite if you said one thing if you've uttered all lives matter before and you're realizing now that that is not something that you want as a part of your lexicon moving forward, that is the first step. That doesn't make you a hypocrite. That means that you are taking the first step. And if you need help, please reach out to me or anyone else on this panel who feels comfortable
0: saying that. I I will be doing the same thing. I am someone that is very much a listener. So if you need just a sounding board without judgment, without critique, I am here for you too. I've lead a very busy life, so I may not always respond, but um it is a safe place. You got, that's and that's the thing about our podcast is you guys are involved. You guys are part of the discussion. We want we, we encourage you to be part of it. It's not just three gays gavin, as Austin once said. <laughs> um, Even though that uh, isn't Amazing! Uh, it really is. It, I mean, and, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, for those of you that don't know, Austin once once said over Marco Polo that it, it should be steer queer three gays and gammon. three gays and <laughs> to
1: infinity um, and beyond.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we don't have the rights to that. Um, no. <laughs> oh, shit! Um, but, but, we got the Disney no.
2: Corp at our back door already.
0: Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, how many people? How many people do we have targeting us right now? How many people have we sent? <laughs> <have we laughs> <invented? laughs>
2: It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> safe
0: space, safe space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you guys are always welcome, and we are here for you. Um, we are using this as a platform for the dis- for these kinds of discussions, and it starts with a di- discussion, and when you start to feel that pay-it-no-mind mentality, then you can get involved.
1: Oh, and I just wanted to interject. Um, so one thing I, w- I would really like to encourage people to do is contact your local politicians. So... Uh, I was lucky enough in March to meet my state assembly person from my district and my state senator because those are politicians who hold a lot of power, and people don't even know who they are. I didn't. I was taking a class, and so that's why i went I went down to Madison. I was able to meet them before the state shut down for coronavirus. but um, my state assembly person is jody emerson and my state senator is jeff smith and those people vote on things like where money in wisconsin is gonna go um you know to things like uh trying to bring more nurses into wisconsin that was one thing we were advocating for but that's beside the point my point is these are important political leaders that don't hear enough from their constituents. And so um, that's one thing you can do is look up who is your state assembly person, who is your state senator, who is your local district attorney, who is your county sheriff. Um, These are all elected officials and um, a lot of them want to hear from you and will listen. Not all are open to listening, but even the ones who aren't open to listening, you should still write, call, and make your voice heard. And if you don't like what you're hearing, vote. Vote for someone else. And also a
2: lot of them are often up for re-election when you least expect it. So just know
1: that at any time, you have the power. Right, and a lot of times, positions like county sheriffs, they run unopposed very often. And so that's not okay. It's not okay that someone becomes the county sheriff just because no one else wants to do it. Well, I elect you Mama Shim Sham as sheriff of (laughs) Bocair County. (laughs) Um, So anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there is that is one thing you can do is find out who all of your city council, state um, representatives are um, and start to get connected with them. Because that is one. We, we of course, always vote for president. Um, Which, I don't know, in 2016, we took a shit on that. But (laughs) we... um, So obviously, president is important. And this November election is going to be huge. But all of your local politicians hold a lot of power. Um, Like, speaking of a queer issue, here in Eau Claire, in the city limits of Eau Claire, we made it illegal to um, have uh, gay restoration therapy or therapy that would try and make, you know, tell you that being gay is wrong and that you can become straight. We made that illegal here in Eau Claire. And that's awesome. That is awesome that we did that. And that was on a city basis. And so, so I think the changing to our police system, which is I think an area where we can begin demanding more reporting, more charting by these police officers, demanding, uh, I personally would like to see guns taken away, but whatever we want to demand of our local police departments, um, that's gonna be a political issue. And it's gonna take voting the right political leaders. Political leaders and district attorneys who want to stand up for what is right and not just do what is easy. So I just wanted to throw that out there as one way you can get involved. Absolutely. And while we know that we
2: would love to talk about this for three to five hours, (laughs) we are nearing the end of this episode. So I wanted to take a minute to just commend everybody who made it this far for continuing to listen and know that we once again, are here for you. Point out to us when we have things that we need to continue learning as well. That is what's going to help us moving forward when we all become comfortable with learning and with being called out, but also with doing our best to learn first, speak second. So thank you all so much for listening today. If you do have any more questions, please feel free to contact us and take a look at the list of resources we'll be posting along with this episode. Would anybody else like to say anything else before we head on out of here?
0: Uh, Keep in mind the famous Judge Judy once said, God gave you two ears and one mouth.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I just want to say that while this episode uh, focused on this and our future episodes may not, um, that we are going to continue to do the work and that we are going to check in periodically. um, Mm -hmm. Because this isn't a make one episode about it and move on issue. This is something that Mm -mm. uh, we need to continue to do the work and make sure that stuff changes. Absolutely. And remember that, as we said before, we are
0: here for you. We stand with you. And as I said in the first part of this episode, we stand with George Floyd and all of the members of that community. We are in solidarity It is time for all of us to make a difference and to make a change. And I guess if anyone, does anyone else have anything to say? Otherwise I'll sign us off.
2: Go ahead and sign
0: us off, Cody. (laughs) Um, From all of us here at Steer Queer, we love you. Be well. And as always, cheers, cheers, queers. queers. (laughs) This is much better than first time.